0: Chapter 19, Book 4 of Marie Antoinette and Her Son. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Kathy Hart. Marie Antoinette and Her Son by Louise Mielbach, June 20 and August 10, 1792 marie antoinette was right the revolution was sending its stormbirds to the tuileries they beat with their strong pinions against the windows of the palace they pulled up and broke with their claws the flowers and plants of the garden so that the royal family no longer ventured to enter it but they had not entered the palace itself and within its apartments watched by the national guard the queen was at least safe from the insults of the populace no not even there longer for the storm-birds of the revolution beat against the windows and these windows had once in a while to be opened to let in a little sunshine and some fresh air marie antoinette had long given up her walks in the garden of the tuileries for the rabble which stood behind the fence had insulted her so often with cries and acts that she preferred to give up her exercise rather than to undergo such contemptuous treatment the king too in order to escape the scornful treatment of the populace had relinquished his walks and before long things came to such a pass that the dauphin was not allowed to visit his little garden marat santerre danton and robespierre the great leaders of the people had by their threats against the royalists and their insurrectionary movements among the people gained such power that no one ventured to approach the garden of the prince to salute him and to show deference to the son of the king the little regiment had been compelled in order to escape the mockery and contempt the hatred and persecution which followed them to disband after a few months and around the fence when the dauphin appeared there now stood none but men sent there by the revolutionists to deride the dauphin when he appeared and shout their wild curses against the king and queen One day, when a crowd of savage women stood behind the fence and were giving vent to their derision of the queen, the poor Dauphin could not restrain his grief and indignation. With glowing cheeks and flaming eyes, he turned upon the wild throng. You lie! Oh, you lie! he cried with an angry voice. My mamma queen is not a wicked woman, and she does not hate the people. My mamma queen is so good, so good that. His tears choked his voice and flowed in clear streams down over his cheeks ashamed as it were of this indication of weakness the dauphin dashed out of the garden and hastened so rapidly to the palace that the abbe d'avoux could scarcely follow him weeping and sobbing the dauphin passed through the corridor but when they reached the broad staircase which led to the apartments where the queen lived the dauphin stopped suppressed his sobs and hastily dried his eyes i will not weep any more he said it will trouble mamma i beg you abbe say nothing to mamma I will try to be cheerful and merry for mamma queen likes much to have me so sometimes when she is sad and has been weeping i make believe not to notice it and then i laugh and sing and jump about and then her beautiful face will clear up and sometimes she even smiles a little so too i will be right merry and she shall notice nothing you would not suspect that i have been weeping would you no my prince no one would think you had answered the abbe looking with deep emotion into the great blue eyes which the dauphin turned up to his with an inquiring look well then we will go to my mamma the queen cried the dauphin and he sprang forward and opened the door with a smile and half concealed behind the curtains he asked in a jesting tone whether he might have permission to enter her majesty's presence marie antoinette bade him heartily welcome and opened her arms to him the dauphin embraced her and pressed a glowing kiss upon her eyes and upon her lips you are extraordinarily affectionate to-day my little louis charles said the queen with a smile what is the cause of that that comes from the fact that to-day i have nothing to give you excepting kisses not a single flower they are all withered in my garden and i do not like to go there any more for there are no more bouquets to pluck for my dear mamma queen mamma this is my bouquet and he kissed and caressed the queen afresh and brought a glow to her eyes and a smile to her lips Come now my child, you see that the abbey is waiting, and I believe it is time for the study hours to begin. What comes first today? We have first grammar, answered the abbey, laying the needful books upon the little table at which the dauphin always took his lessons in the presence of the queen. Grammar, cried the dauphin. I wish it were history, that I like, but grammar I hate. That comes because you make so many mistakes in it, said the abbey. And certainly grammar is very hard the child blushed oh it is not on that account he said i do not dislike grammar because it is hard but merely because it is tedious and i will wager that on that account you have forgotten what we went over in our last grammar hour we were speaking of the three comparatives but you probably don't remember them you are mistaken replied the dauphin smiling in proof hear me if i say my abbey is a good abbey that is the positive if i say my abbe is better than another abbe that is the comparative and he continued turning his eyes toward the queen with an expression of intense affection if i say my mamma is the dearest and the best of all mammas that is the superlative the queen drew the boy to her heart and kissed him while her tears flowed down upon his auburn curls on the next day at the time of the accustomed walk the queen went into the dauphin's room to greet him before he went into the garden mamma i beg your permission to remain here said the dauphin my garden does not please me any longer why not my son asked marie antoinette has anything happened to you yes mamma he answered something has happened to me there are so many bad people always standing around the fence and they look at me with such evil eyes and i am afraid of them and they scold and say such hard things they laugh at me and they say that i am a stupid jack and a beggar's boy that does not know how to make a loaf and they call me a monkey that angers me and hurts my feelings and if i begin to cry i am ashamed of myself for i know that it is very silly to cry before people who mean ill to us but i am still a poor little boy and my tears are stronger than i am and so i want you mamma not to let me go into the garden any more mouflet and i would a great deal rather play in my room come here mouflet make your compliments to the queen and salute her like a regular grenadier and smiling he caught the little dog by the forepaws and made him stand up on his hind legs and threatened mouflet with his hand till he made him stand erect and let his forefeet hang down very respectfully the queen looked down with a smile at the couple and laughed aloud when the dauphin still waving his hand threateningly to compel the dog to stand as he was jumped up ran to the table caught up a paper cap which he had made and painted with red stripes and put it on mouflette's head calling out to him mr jacobin behave respectfully and make your salutations to her majesty the queen after that day the dauphin did not go into his garden again and the park of the tuileries was now the exclusive property of the populace that took possession of it with furious eagerness the songs of the revolution the wild curses of the haters of the royalty the coarse laughter and shouting of the rabble these were the storm birds which were beating at the window of the royal apartments marie antoinette still had one source of enjoyment left in her sufferings her correspondence with absent friends and the Duchess de poniac before all others once in a while there was a favorable opportunity to send a letter by hand of some faithful friend around her and the queen had then the sad satisfaction at least of being able to express to some sympathizing heart what she was undergoing without fearing that these complaints would be read by her enemies as was the case with the letters which were sent by post one of these letters of the duchess de poniac which history has preserved gives a faithful touching picture of the sorrows and grief of the queen a translation of it reads thus i cannot deny myself of the pleasure of embracing you my dear heart but it must be done quickly for the opportunity is a passing one although a certain one i can only write a word which will be forwarded to you with a large package we are guarded like criminals and this restraint is truly dreadfully hard to bear, constantly too apprehensive for one another, not to be able to approach the window without being loaded with insults, not to be able to take the poor children out into the air without exposing the dear innocence to reproaches. What a situation is ours, my dear heart, and when you think that I that suffer not for myself alone, but have to tremble for the king as well, and for our friends who are with us, you will see that the burden is well nigh unbearable." but as i have told you before you absent ones you keep me up adieu my dear heart let us hope in god who looks into our consciences and who knows whether we are not animated by our truest love for this land i embrace you p s the king has just come in and wants to add a word i will only say duchess that you are not forgotten that we regret receiving so few letters from you and that whether near or far away you and yours are always loved louis not to be able to show oneself near the window without being showered with insults yes and even into the very middle of her room they followed her even when sitting far away from the window she could not help hearing the loud cries which thundered out on the pavement below as the hucksters offered to the laughing crowd the infamous pamphlet written with poisoned pen and entitled the life of marie antoinette at times her anger mastered her her eyes flashed her figure was straightened up and the suffering martyr was transformed for an instant into the proud commanding queen i will not bear it she cried walking up and down with great strides i will speak to them they shall not insult me without hearing my justification yes i will go down to these people who call me a foreigner i will say to them frenchmen people have had the want of feeling to tell you that i do not love france i the mother of a dauphin I." but her voice choked in her tears and she fled to the extreme end of the room fell sobbing on her knees and held both her hands to her ears in order not to hear the dreadful insults which came up from below and through her windows thus amid trials which renewed themselves daily the months passed by the queen had no longer any hope she had given up everything even the hope of an honorable end of a death such as becomes a queen proud and dignified beneath the ruins of a palace laid low by an exasperated populace she knew that the king would never bring himself to meet such a death that his weakness would yield to all humiliation and his good nature resist all measures that might perhaps bring help she had sought in vain to inspire him with her zeal louis was a good man but a bad king his was not a nature to rule and govern but rather to serve as the scapegoat for the sins of his fathers and to fall as a victim for the misdeeds which his ancestors had committed and through which they had excited the wrath of the people the divine nemesis that never sleeps she knew and felt this and this knowledge lay like a morning veil over her whole thought and being filling her in times with a moody resignation and at times with a swiftly kindling and wrathful pain i am content that we will be the victims she cried wringing her hands but I cannot bear to think that my children, too, are to be punished for what they have not committed. This thought of her children was the pillar which always raised the queen up again, when the torture of her daily life cast her to the ground. She would, she must, live for her children. She must, so long as breath remained in her, devote all her powers to retain for her son the Dauphin, at least the crown beneath whose burden his father sank. She wanted nothing more for herself, all for her son alone there were still true friends who wanted to save the queen secret tidings came to her that all was ready for her escape it was against her that the populace rage was chiefly directed and her life was even threatened twice had the attempts been made to kill the queen and the most violent denunciations of the populace were directed against her it was therefore the queen whom her friends wanted most to save everything was prepared for the flight true and devoted friends were waiting for her ready to conduct her to the boundaries of france where she would meet deputies sent by her nephew the emperor francis the plan was laid with the greatest care nothing but the consent of the queen was needed to bring it to completion and save her from certain destruction but marie antoinette withheld her acquiescence it is of no consequence about my life she said i know that i must die and i am prepared for it if the king and my children cannot escape with me i remain for my place is at the side of my husband and my children at last the king himself inspired by the courage and energy of his wife ventured to oppose the decision and decrees of the all-powerful assembly it had put forth two new decrees it had resolved upon the deportation of all priests beyond the limits of france and also upon the establishment of a camp of twenty thousand men on the rhine frontier with the latter there had been coupled a warning threatening with death all who should spend any time abroad and engage in any armed movement against their own country to both these decrees louis refused his sanction both he vetoed on the twentieth of june seventeen ninety two the populace which thronged the doors of the national assembly in immense masses among whom the emissaries of revolution had been very active received the news of the king's veto with a howl of rage the storm birds of the revolution flew through the streets and shouted into all the windows the country is in danger the king has been making alliances abroad the Austrian woman wants to summon the armies of her own land against France, and therefore the king has vetoed the decree which punishes the betrayers of their country. A curse on Monsieur Vito! Down with Madame Vito! This is the cry today for the revolutionary party. A curse on Monsieur Vito! Down with Madame Vito! the watch-cry rolled like a peal of thunder throughout all the streets and into the houses and while within their closed doors and in the stillness of their own homes the well-disposed praised the king for having the courage to protect the priests and the emigres the evil-disposed bellowed out their curses through all the streets and called upon the rabble to avenge themselves upon monsieur and madame vito nobody prevented this the national assembly let everything go quietly on and waited with perfect indifference to see what the righteous anger of the people should resolve to do immense masses of howling shrieking people rolled up on the afternoon of the twentieth of june to the tuileries where no arrangements had been made for defence the main entrances not even being protected that day by the national guard the king gave orders therefore that the great doors should be opened and the people allowed to pass unhindered in a quarter of an hour all the staircases corridors and halls were filled with a howling roaring crowd the room of the king alone was locked and in the apartments were the royal family and a few faithful friends the king bland and calm as ever the queen pale firm uncomplaining madame elizabeth with folded hands praying the two children drawing closely together softly weeping and yet suppressing their sobs because the queen had in a whisper commanded them to keep still a little company of faithful servants filled the background of the room and listened with suspended breath to the axe strokes with which the savage crowd broke down the doors and heard the approaching cries of the multitude at last a division of the national guard reached the palace too late to drive the people out but perhaps in season to protect the royal family the door of the royal apartment was opened to the second officer of the national guard Monsieur A-Claque. he burst in and kneeling before the king conjured him with tears in his eyes to show himself to the people and by his presence to calm the savage multitude by this time the two children were no longer able to control their feelings and suppress their fears the dauphin burst into tears and loud cries he clung affrighted to the dress of his mother he employed her with the most moving tones to take him away and go with him to his room marie antoinette stooped down to the poor little fellow and pressed him and teresa who was weeping calmly to her heart whispering a few quieting words into their ears while the mother was comforting her children louis yielding to Alcloc's entreaties had left the room in order to show himself to the people madame elizabeth his sister followed him through the corridor into the great hall passing through the seething crowd which separated her from the king pushed about on all sides madame elizabeth could not follow and was now alone in the throng accompanied only by her equerry monsieur saint Pardo. armed men pressed up against the princess and horrid cries surged around her there is the austrian woman and all at once pikes all weapons were directed against the princess for god's sake cried monsieur de saint Pardot, what do you want to do this is not the queen why do you undeceive them asked madame elizabeth "Their errand might save the queen and while she put back one of the bayonets directly against her breast she said gently take care sir you might wound somebody and i am convinced that you will be sorry the people were amazed at this and respectfully made way for her to come up with the king he stood in the middle of the hall surrounded by a crowd threatening him with wild curses one of these desperadoes pressed close up to the king while the others were shouting that they must strangle the whole royal family and pulling a bottle and a glass out of his pockets, he filled the latter, gave it to the king, and ordered him to drink to the welfare of the nation. The king quietly took the glass. The nation must know that I love it, said he, for I have made many sacrifices for it. From the bottom of my heart I drink to its welfare. And in spite of the warning cries of his friends, he put the glass to his lips and emptied it. The crowd was beside itself with delight, and their cries were answered from without by the demanding bloodthirsty rabble. How soon are you going to throw out the heads of the king and the queen? Marie Antoinette had meanwhile succeeded in pacifying the dauphin. She raised herself up, and when she saw that the king had gone out, she started toward the door. Her faithful friends stopped the way. They reminded her that she was not simply a queen, that she was a mother too they conjured her with tears to give ear to prudence not to rush in vain into danger and imperil the king still more no one shall hinder me from doing what is my duty cried the queen leave the doorway free but her friends would not yield they defied even the wrath of the queen at that moment some of the national guard came in through another door and pacified marie antoinette assuring her that the life of the king was not threatened in the meanwhile the shouting came nearer and nearer the cries resounding from the guard-room the doors were torn open and the people surged in in immense waves like the sea lashing into fury by the storm the national guard rolled a table before the queen and her children and placed themselves at two sides to defend them only a bit of wood now separated the queen from her enemies who brandished their weapons at her but marie antoinette had now regained her whole composure she stood erect at her right hand her daughter who nestled up to her mother at her left the dauphin who with wide eyes and looks of astonishment gazed at the people bursting in behind the queen were princesses lamballe and torrent and madame a man with disheveled hair and bare bosom gave the queen a handful of rods bearing the inscription for marie antoinette another showed her a guillotine a third a gallows with the inscription tremble tyrant thy hour has come another held up before her on the point of a pike a human heart dripping with blood and cried thus shall they all bleed the hearts of tyrants and aristocrats the queen did not let her eyes fall her fixed look rested upon the shriek and howling multitude but when this man with the bleeding heart approached her her eyelids trembled a deathly paleness spread over her cheeks for she recognized him simon the cobbler and a fearful presentment told her that this man who had always been for her the incarnation of hatred is now when her life is threatened to be the source of her chief peril from the distance surged in cries long live santerre long live faubourg saint antoine long live the saint coulettes and at the head of a crowd of half-naked fellows the brewer santerre arrayed in the fantastic costume of a robber of the abruzzo mountains with a dagger and pistol in his girdle dashed into the room his broad-brimmed hat with three red plumes aslant upon his brown hair that streamed down on both sides of his savage countenance like the mane of a lion the queen lifted the dauphin up set him upon the table and whispered softly to him he must not cry he must not grieve and the child smiled and kissed his mother's hand just then a drunken woman rushed up to the table threw a red cap down upon it and ordered the queen on pain of death to put it on marie antoinette threw both arms around the dauphin kissed his auburn hair and turned calmly to the general de wittenhofen who stood near her put the cap upon me said she and the woman howled with pleasure while the general pale with rage and trembling with grief obeyed the queen's command and put the red cap upon the hair which trouble had already turned gray in a night but after a minute the general wittenhofen took the red cap from the head of the queen and laid it on the table from all sides resounded the commanding cry the red cap for the dauphin the tricolor for the little vito and the women tore the three colored ribbons from their caps and threw them upon the table if you love the nation cried the women to the queen put the red cap on your son the queen motioned to madame torzel who put the red cap on the dauphin and decked his neck and arms with the ribbons the child did not understand whether it was a joke or a way of insulting him and looked on with a smile of astonishment santerre leaned over the table and looked complacently at the singular group the proud and yet gentle face of the queen was so near him that when he saw the sweat drops rolling down from beneath the woolen cap over the dauphin's forehead even he felt a touch of pity and straightened himself up perhaps to escape the eye of the queen he called out roughly take that cap off from that child don't you see how he sweats the queen thanked him with a mute glance and took the cap herself from the head of the poor child at this point a horde of howling women pressed up to the table and threatened the queen with their fists and hurled wild curses at her only see how proudly and scornfully this austrian looks at us cried a young woman who stood in the front rank she would like to blast us with her eyes for she hates us marie antoinette turned kindly to them why should i hate you she asked in a gentle tone it is you that hate me you have i ever done you any harm not to me answered the young woman not to me but to the nation poor child answered the queen gently they have told you so and you have believed it what advantage would it bring to me to harm the nation you call me the austrian but i am the wife of the king of france the mother of the dauphin i am french with all my feelings of wife and mother i shall never see again the land in which i was born and only on france can i be happy or unhappy and when you have loved me i was happy there She said this with quivering voice and moving tones, the tears filling her eyes, and while she was speaking the noise was hushed, and even these savage creatures were transformed into gentle, sympathetic women. Tears came to the eyes of the young woman, who before had spoken so savagely to the queen. "'Forgive me,' she said, weeping, "'I do not know you. Now I see that you are not bad.' "'No, she is not bad,' cried Santerre, striking with both fists upon the table." but bad people have misled her, and a second time he struck the table with resounding blows. Marie Antoinette trembled a little, and hastily lifted the dauphin from the table. She put him by her side. Ah, madame, cried Santerre, smiling, don't be afraid, they will do you no harm, but just think how you have been misled, how dangerous it is to deceive the people. I tell you that in the name of the people, for the rest you needn't fear. I am not afraid, said Marie Antoinette calmly no one need ever be afraid who is among brave people and with a graceful gesture she extended her hand to the national guard who stood by the table a general shout of applause followed the words of the queen the national guard covered her hands with kisses and even the women were touched how courageous the austrian is cried one how handsome the prince is cried another and all pressed up to get nearer view of the dauphin and a smile or a look from him the great eyes of santerre remained fixed upon the queen and resting both arms upon the table he leaned over to her until his mouth was close to her ear madame he whispered you have very unskilful friends i know people who would serve you better who but as if ashamed of this touch of sympathy he stopped sprang back from the table and with thundering voice commanded all present to march out and leave the palace they obeyed his command filed out in military order past the table behind which stood the queen with her children and her faithful friends a rare procession a rare army consisting of men armed with pikes hatchets and spades of women brandishing knives and scissors in their hands and all directing their countenances Before hyena like and scornful, but now subdued and sympathetic, to the queen, who with calm eye and gentle look responded to the salutations of the retreating crowd with a friendly nod. End of part one, chapter nineteen of book four.